Good morning, Parkway Church. How you guys doing today? Good. I'm so glad you're here with us as we continue our series in the book of Acts. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege each and every week to open the Bible with you and to learn and to grow together. And I am so excited that you're here today. Before I jump into today's talk, I've got a few things to celebrate. You know that we are big time committed at Parkway Church to small groups and seeing people connect in community. And last week, we kicked off small groups throughout our church. I was excited to hear on Monday night that Peggy Maha's ladies group in Port Lavaca say, hey, hey to everybody in Port Lavaca, her small group was so, like, it, it filled up the room where they're meeting. And so now they're looking for another room in which to meet. And I'm just so excited about that. And, and here's the funny thing. They meet in a nursing home in Port Lavaca. They meet at Trinity Shores, right? And so we're the young, creative, cutting-edge church. We meet on the, at the funeral home on Sundays and the nursing home on Mondays. It's awesome because the church has never been about where she meets, but instead about who she is. So Port Lavaca, thank you for showing us that. We had 10 students show up to the landing as it launched on Monday night here at Parkway Victoria. Oh, friends. That is huge. A safe place for kids to go and talk about the tough stuff they're working through. And I talked to a dad this week. His daughter went, and he said, you know, she left with a smile on her face, and she said, that was really cool, Dad. Can I come again? Oh, so thank you so much to the team that's putting that together. And then on Wednesday night, we kicked off groups in Port Lavaca and at Parkway Victoria. We're looking at an Andy Stanley series of guardrails, how you can like go for the goals in life without wrecking it. And we had a great start to group life here for adults and for students. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Parkway, for being a church that's connected to small groups. And I look forward to seeing how the Lord uses your group and uses my group to help all of us grow together. Y'all excited about small groups? Prove it by joining one. All right, find one. There's a spot for you. I forgot one. Oh, this one is so cool. This one's at Wednesday at 10 a.m. All right? Wednesday at 10 a.m., Pastor Kim started a Bible study through the book of Ezekiel. And there were 32 people that showed up for a study at 10 a.m. on Wednesday for an Old Testament overview leading into the study of Ezekiel. Wow. How cool is that? So if you're free Wednesday at 10, I encourage you, come hang out with that group and get to know the Word of God on a challenging level. I encourage you to be a part of it. Y'all ready for today's talk? Awesome. Okay, so this weekend, there's been a, a thread running or a viral thing happening on Facebook. Maybe you've seen it. It's the aging challenge where you post your first profile picture and then you post your last profile picture so that people can get a, a, a laugh at you, so that you can get like a funny memory. And, and, and I thought about posting mine last night, but I wasn't about to open up my pictures for your comments. <laughs> I wasn't about to open that up to you jokers. It would have been brutal. So instead, I wanted to share it with you here. There's my first profile pic, our family 10 years ago, December 2018. Our family 10 years ago, look how small and cute the kids were. When I see kids that age, I, I tell my teenagers, I was like, you used to be that cute. And that picture was taken at a park right by our house in Virginia. And we took that, I, I think that's a Christmas photo or something maybe. 
And then this last one was taken in November of 2018. I'm holding Becca. We were at a homecoming parade for, for Baylor University, and it was freezing cold outside. So my baby and I were keeping warm on that day. And so 10 years, there's a lot of forehead in that picture. <laughs> Whole lot of forehead and, and, and a couple more chins. So, so here's my question for you. Parkway Church, let's take that picture down so they'll look at me instead of them. <laughs> Parkway Church, 10 years from now, what's going to be the defining factor in your life? 10 years from now, it's not about whether or not you'll look different. 10 years from now, how are you going to live differently? And I believe today's message, as we look at the unstoppable message of Scripture, Today's message, if we get it right and we commit ourselves and we devote ourselves as the early church did to the apostles' teaching, if we get this right, our lives can look different. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to 10 years from now having even more forehead. I'm looking 10 years from now to having even more chins. But you know what else I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to 10 years from now, a level of godliness and growth that comes because I'm committed not just to spiritual training, but I'm committed to training in the word of God. And so today, let's dig in together to the unstoppable message of God. And as we do, we're gonna pick up the story of the early church. We're gonna pick up the story in Acts chapter five. As you remember last week, Jesus told his followers to wait for him and that he, the wait for the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would become his witnesses. First in Jer Jerusalem, then in Judea and Samaria and all the way to the ends of the earth. And as the apostles gathered with the other believers, the Spirit came and, and like fire rested above them. And they spoke and they reached people with great boldness for Christ. And 3,000 people believed and were, were added to the church. The church was born on that day. And I reminded you last week that when the church is reliant on the Holy Spirit of God and pointing people to the cross of Christ, that she is a good thing. That when we as the body of Christ are committed to each other and committed to the right things in the word and in the world, and when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to point people to the cross of Christ, that is a good thing. And not only is it a good thing, it's a God thing. Well, as we see the story unfold through the book of Acts, Let's look and see where the message of God takes the followers next. Acts 5, 12 through 16. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together under Solomon's colonnade or Solomon's porch. It's a certain part of the temple. So we see the church form 3,000 added to their number daily. And now there are wonders and miracles happening. And they're gathered together to tell others about Jesus through these miracles and through their word. If you keep reading Acts chapter 5, verse 13, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. There was this sense of God's movement among them that this was a powerful gathering. It's a supernatural gathering. Verse 14, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Friends, the church grows when people believe. The church grows when men and women and children believe that they need a Savior and that Jesus is the Savior of the world. This is how it happens. And we see it here in Acts chapter 5. People were being saved after, because they believed in the Lord. Verse 15. 
As a result, like word was spreading. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. So we see the church gathering, and we see the church teaching, and we see the Holy Spirit performing miracles through the apostles. And people are so hungry and desperate for a healing that they're bringing out people and laying them on a mat, hoping that even as Peter walked by, that his shadow might heal them. Now let's be crystal clear. Peter would would tell you if he were here today, because he said it, that it's not his shadow that heals. It's the name of Jesus. It's Jesus Christ that heals. When there was a poor beggar on the steps to the temple. He asked Peter for some money. And Peter said, and I love it, this is a preacher's favorite verse. Silver and gold have I none. But what I give you, I give you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And this poor beggar got up and walked. It's not that Peter's shadow was miraculous. It's that the name of Jesus was being proclaimed and people were being healed in the name of Jesus. Say, Mike, two questions. First, can can your shadow heal people? No, it can't. Mike, second question. Can anybody's shadow today heal people? No, it can't. See, these signs and wonders were used by God, a unique work of the Holy Spirit in this season of the church to confirm the message of Scripture. You see, the message wasn't the miracles. The message was the name of Jesus. The apostles used the miracles to confirm the message. So as we look here, we see the church gathered together as believers. They're gathered together at Solomon's porch. They're gathered together doing ministry in the name of Jesus. This is what the church should be doing. And in Acts chapter 5, the story continues. Let me just tell it to you. When word spread of this church meeting, when word spread of names and lives being changed in the name of Jesus, like the religious leaders of the day got very jealous. There are going to be three descriptions of the religious leaders that we see today. They're going to be jealous, they're going to be confused, and they're going to be angry. And they're going to take action because of their jealousy, their confusion, and their anger. So they were so jealous that they arrested the apostles and they put them in a public jail. So the apostles who were once preaching Jesus are now sitting in prison. And in the middle of the night, they're visited. And an angel of the Lord frees them and tells them to go and preach. The the Lord opened the doors. says, go tell them about this new life. Go tell them about Jesus. Go tell them about the way to me. So at daybreak, what did they do? They got up and they went back to the temple courts and they were preaching. They were preaching yesterday, they were imprisoned last night, and this morning they're preaching again. And when the religious leaders of the day woke up and they made it to their comfy little spots, they called for the apostles to be removed from the prison and brought before them because they were about to, to punish them for preaching in the name of Jesus. So what did they find? They found a couple guards, 
a locked gate and an empty jail cell. And then word spread very quickly. Hey, you know those guys that you jailed? Um, See, here's what happened was, um, they're out now in the temple court preaching in the name of Jesus. So what do they do? They're confused. And so they go out and they bring these men before them. They, they were angry and they wanted to put these men to death. And so here's what happened next. Acts 5, 27 through 38. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And here's what the high priest said. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. As we look at the unstoppable message of God, see what the apostles were doing here. They filled the streets with the message of Jesus. All of Jerusalem was buzzing because the one who died was raised again and the ones who were following him. God was working through them and in them and people were believing. Keep reading. The the high priest says, we told you not to teach. And Peter says, we must obey God, Acts 5.29. We must obey God rather than human beings. To the God, of our, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given to those who obey him. So Peter was told, don't preach. So what did he do? He preached. And when he was asked, why'd you preach? He said, I'm preaching because this is what the Holy Spirit testifies to. So we see the church ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. That flame of God, that leadership of God working in their life. We see the church ministering according to the power of the Holy Spirit in them. Peter once denied Jesus. And now with great boldness, he's saying, you can't stop me from preaching about Jesus. This was a changed man. Because the Spirit of God was at work in him. This wasn't a man that was selling dead religion. This is a man that was telling others about new life in Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit at work in him. The high priest said, you're filling the streets with this idea. That that we had some part in the killing of Jesus. And I love it. Peter, emboldened by the Spirit, says, by the way, you nailed him to the cross. You nailed him to the cross. You were a part of this. He came to bring you to repentance, that you might change your mind and see him and believe. He came so that you might have life, but you killed him. And now you want me to stop preaching about him? Filled with the Spirit, Peter was bold. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put him to death. But there was this Pharisee called Gamaliel, Gamaliel was, uh, was, a, was a really wise Pharisee. In fact, if you know any church history, you know that he's the, he's the Pharisee that trained up the Apostle Paul. When, when Paul was called Saul and, 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 and was being raised to be a Jew of Jews, this was his rabbi. This was his teacher. And so Gamaliel uh, looked at the people, the Sanhedrin that was furious, his friends, and 
they were furious and they wanted to kill the apostles. Let's put a stop to this right now. And Gamaliel said, remember when there was this uprising? Remember when there was this uprising? Remember when there was this uprising? They all fizzled because they weren't of God. So here's what we should do. Let these men go. Because if it's of God, we can't stop it. And if it's of man, it will fail. Gamaliel stood up and gave us great wisdom, even for our day. If it's of God, it will never fail. If it's of man, it will fizzle away. Let them go. So what did the Sanhedrin and the high priest do? Well, they told them to stop preaching. And then they flogged them. They beat them up and, and tried to punish them so that they might stop preaching. They thought the message of Jesus could be stopped by a little bit of pain, by a little bit of persecution. They thought the message of Jesus could be contained through the acts of men, and it couldn't. So listen to what happens next. Acts 5, 41 through 42. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple's courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So what happened when Peter was threatened? What happened when the apostles were beaten up and told, stop preaching? Did it stop the message of Christ? No, it emboldened the message of Christ to be spread through them. In fact, they considered it an honor to be worthy to suffer like Jesus suffered. They considered it an honor to be worthy of suffering for the gospel. Why is it in modern day Christianity, when we pay a price for our faith, we're doing, we think we're doing something wrong and God's not blessing us? Why is it that when our faith today costs us something, we don't have the same response as the apostles who considered themselves worthy. They were amazed. He's going to use us, even if that includes us suffering. He's going to use us, even if that means we get whooped, we get to share his message. His message is unstoppable. Men tried to stop it. Religion tried to contain it. But the church pointing people to the cross of Christ Empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is an unstoppable message. So as you think about your life, and as I think about my life, how unstoppable is the message of God in you and through you? How unstoppable is the message of God when it comes to you opening your life up and saying, God, everywhere, all the time, I want to obey you. How unstoppable is the message of God through you? Uh, will you be emboldened by the Holy Spirit to point people to the cross of Christ as God opens doors? I mean, Peter didn't know all the answers. He just knew to point people to Jesus. Peter didn't always even get it right in the book of Acts. He just knew to point people to Jesus. How unstoppable is the word of God in you and through you? As you consider this, I want you to know four things about the unstoppable message of God today. The first one is this. God's message will never, and I'm going to add the word, ever change. His message never, ever changes. And here's why. 
because his message is based on his character. And his character never, ever changes. His message is based on his character and our need. And his character and my sinfulness never change. So God's message will never, ever change. Have you guys ever noticed in the front of your Bible, just on the page behind where it says Holy Bible, right beneath the copyright, there's this um, expiration date for the Bible. It's right there. Did y'all ever notice it? You're looking right now and it doesn't exist. Because there is no expiration date on the Bible. There are some things in life that should not have an expiration date. And the Bible is one of them. You know what else should never have an expiration date? Sour cream. All it's going to become is sourer cream. Certain hairstyles. Not all of them. But certain hairstyles should never have an expiration date. But your Bible has no expiration date. Some people might try and tell you that the Bible is for olden days. The Bible is for previous generations. The message that God would have for us is different now. Let me tell you, the Bible never, ever changes. The message of God will never change because his character and our need, it never expires. So Mike, you teach us this over and over and over again, that the message of God never changes. You want to know why I teach it over and over and over again? Because if your confidence in the word of God will grow, then your dependence upon God will grow by the same measure. If your confidence in the word of God will grow, then your ability and your desire and your courage to obey him will grow. If you're not confident that this truly is God's word for you and for us and that it's unstoppable, why would you depend upon it? If you're not confident that this truly is God's message to us, why would you obey it? If you don't believe it, why would you live it? So that's why I remind you, church, over and over again, the word of God never, ever changes. Second, the word of God I want you to know this about the word of God. God's message changes people. People don't change the message. We see the religious leaders in the early church. They looked at the story of the crucifixion, which clearly the Jewish leaders played a key part in Jesus being arrested. And the crowds played a key part in choosing a guilty man to be freed and an innocent man to be crucified. They had choices. And yet now, after the fact, they say, we didn't have any part in that. What are you telling people that we killed Jesus for? That was Rome that killed Jesus. That was the government that killed Jesus, not us. What are you doing? They're trying to change the story. And and, and get it. I can relate to that. Because there are areas in my life where I want to change the story of God to fit my life better. There are areas in my life where I want to change the story of God so I don't feel guilt or I don't feel shame or I don't feel conviction. There are areas in my life where I would rather change the word of God than see myself change. But can I remind you that the word of God never changes? 
but instead the word of God changes people. Do you have an area in your life right now that's not working out as it should? Perhaps it's because you're not obeying scripture in that area. There have been seasons in my life where it's been a struggle to to be married to me. And it's been a struggle to be married to me because I didn't take seriously and live honestly and be committed to the fact that I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loves the church. That's a sacrificial lay your life down for her kind of thing. When my marriage is out of whack, it's because I'm not loving her as Christ loves me and you. And I could walk area by area of my life. And if we sat down and talked about your life, we could do the same. Is there an area in your life where you're struggling today because you're not obeying the word of God? Let God's word change you. Is there an area in your life where you're struggling today because you're not depending upon a promise from God's word? His promises never fail. Are you not depending upon him so worry and, and fear and anxiety are creeping in? God's word never changes. But God's word changes people. Number three, this unstoppable message. God's message defines truth. Truth doesn't change or evolve or develop over time. We see it here. Peter says, who should we obey? God told us to go be his witnesses and he'd be with us to the ends of the earth. Should we obey God or should we obey men? Should we obey a man who says, stop preaching and healing and teaching in the name of Jesus? Or should we obey the one who's empowered us and given us a message in a community? Should we obey God or man? We should obey God. Because God's message defines truth. And the truth that we find in God's word is the ultimate truth that you and I need to live by. And this is where I need to press in and and push you just a little bit. If your picture 10 years from now is going to look different than your picture today, some of us are going to have to get past the excuses we have for reading the Word of God and studying the Word of God and applying the Word of God. We're going to have to get past those excuses and get to work. Because the truth you need is in your hand right now. It's in your Bible. The truth you need is in your hand right now. It's on your phone. Mike, I don't have time to read my Bible. (laughs) Just take one scrolling session from Facebook away and read your Bible. Find that truth. Mike, I don't have time to read the Bible. Well, let the Bible read to you as you're driving to work or waiting in the pickup line. Let the Bible read to you. You have to get past your excuses and know that the truth you need to live a godly life, a pleasing life, a happy life, a blessed life, the truth you need, you already have it. God gave it to us. And then last, God's message is unstoppable, even when it's unpopular. Fill in those blanks. God's message is unstoppable, even when it's unpopular. How about you and I? Pick up the mantle 
that says we are going to be the people where the message of God is unstoppable in our lives. We're going to give God and his spirit full reign to work in our lives so that his word changes us. How about we be the people? It says even when it's unpopular, we are going to stand on biblical principles and we're going to stand in, with godly attitudes and godly actions because God's word is not limited by what man says or thinks. It's not a popularity contest. God's word is truth. So how about you and I? We look and we say to God, and here's the commitment I'm asking you to make today. If a disciple is anyone who's believed in Jesus for eternal life, and I would assume that's many of us, that the vast majority of us have come to a place in our life where we've said, I believe in Jesus. You've been added to the church. You've got your name and the roles of heaven. Nothing can take that away. A disciple is one who's believed in Jesus for eternal life and is following him with all of their life. I'm asking you to let the message of God be unstoppable so that you will be a, a disciple who says, God, you have your way in me. You work in every area of my life. This doesn't come without risk. This doesn't come without reward. This doesn't come without trouble. This doesn't come without victory. This doesn't come without sacrifice and intentionality from you. But friends, might you be one who says, God, may your message be unstoppable in me. And may your message be unstoppable through me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word and to pray together, to learn and to grow. God, I pray that you help us all to apply your truth to our life and to live it. Help us to live what we're learning. Church family, as you pray right now, maybe you need to pray just a prayer commitment that says, God, I will live according to your word. That which I know I will live. And I will keep studying. And I will keep reading. And I will keep connecting in groups and growing. So that I can live more and more to honor you with all of my life. Maybe church family, this is your time to say, I want to be a disciple. I have believed. Now I want to follow God. Lay it out before him. As we pray today, if you're not a believer in Jesus, what are you waiting for? The innocent man was nailed to a cross and died. They buried him, and three days later, he was raised again from the dead by the power of God. He did this because he loves you. He did this because you are a sinner who needs a Savior. And that Jesus' death is the only way Jesus' resurrection is the only way that you can be right with God. The Bible says that Jesus is the Savior and Lord, and he invites us to believe today and find life. If today's your day, let's mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. 
Today I believe. Thank you for giving me life.